Welcome to another installment of the Unhindered Podcast. I love that word, unhindered. That's why I've called the podcast after it, because it's a good word to me. It It is the summary of the overcoming insecurity message. Insecurity is actually the only thing. Hidden and unresolved insecurity is the only thing ultimately that can get in the way and hinder you, can hold you back. It, it won't hinder you when you're young necessarily, because having stuff to prove and defend might actually motivate you to to go above and beyond your natural ability. You might be so hell-bent on protecting your sense, your, your fear from being found out that you'll do every single thing possible to prove that you're a good person, that you're a worthy person, that you do belong by the strength of your achievement and performance. So look, don't let me stop you doing that if you're a young person and insecurity is causing you to do some highly motivated things um come i'll come and talk to me again when that steam has run out and and now it's exhausting and you're in a bad way because you probably won't be ready for that conversation before then anyway um but if you're kind of in the midlife season and that energy has already run low and you're still stuck in your own head and all your best eye all your best energy is still spent protecting yourself Proving yourself, defending yourself. Well, the good news is that insecurity is a solvable problem. Um, although you couldn't have prevented it happening when you were young, your main adult work is to review, update, improve the quality of the stories you tell about yourself. So, as part of your journey of becoming unhindered by doubt, fear, and insecurity, eradicating self limiting beliefs, updating your story, practice four in the seven essential practices is to develop a compelling vision for your life Uh, it it is the ultimate form of motivation to uh, update your story about yourself and to do the work when it gets really hard because it does get really hard the level of angst you'll have around reviewing your past and examining your fears lest they be found out to be true is very real so you have to have a big reason why So in my research around how anyone has ever solved this problem, in every single case, the people who found a way to live unhindered did so off the back of this vision they had for their life. No matter how stuck they felt, no matter how insecure they noticed they were, they did not lose sight of the fact that they dreamed of something better for their life, that they had a sense that they were made for something more, that they wanted to do something more meaningful, that if they got to the end of the they got to the end of their life and had never found a way to live a full and uh, meaningful existence and make a contribution and bring themselves fully to the world, they, they'd be devastated. So this idea of a compelling vision, it does belong. Now, it's hard. I think the, the adult question, what do you want? It is, it is the most difficult and most important question that exists. So I wanted to... Uh, bring that question back into your attention and your awareness again this week uh, because it is so difficult and so easily moved away so easily justified that well it's not how the real world works you don't actually get what you want you settle for what you can get and there are so many impracticalities there are so many things that just have to be taken care of so the idea of living aligned with your dream often just does feel like a dream for most people so uh, I'd love to share some stuff that's really working for me in this and has worked for me for a long time. I picked up the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Now, um, 
you may have already read this book. I've seen this book around for years. I've heard lots of people talk about it. It's a book that's been written, um, let's see, when was it written? Copyright 1937 by Napoleon Hill. Good grief. Now, that's a long time ago that this book was put out into the world. And it's taken me my whole life to have picked it up. You know, there's no limit of information out there in the world. I think all that you would ever need, it's probably already been written by someone, but will you ever find it? I don't know. It depends on a whole bunch of things. So I'm always fascinated when I encounter an idea that transforms me. And what it speaks most to me around is the idea that when the student's ready, the teacher appears. Because the teacher's already been there. He's been there for since 1937. I haven't been ready. So, But now I'm ready. And the moment I'm ready, this book that's been sitting on my bookshelf for years um, looks at me and I go, huh. It just jumped the list, jumped the line, jumped the queue. There's a whole bunch of books that I'm intending to read. And this one just found its way to the top. So I open the book and uh, dive into a word from the author. And I'm going to read you an excerpt from how this book starts because I think this is perhaps the greatest introduction ever written in the history of books. In every chapter of this book, mention has been made of the money-making secret which has made fortunes for hundreds of exceedingly wealthy men whom I have carefully analysed over a long period of years. The secret was brought to my attention by Andrew Carnegie more than half a century ago. The canny, lovable old Scotsman carelessly tossed it into my mind when I was but a boy. Then he sat back in his chair with a merry twinkle in his eyes and watched carefully to see if I had brains enough to understand the full significance of what he had said to me. When he saw that I had grasped the idea, he asked if I would be willing to spend 20 years or more preparing myself to take it to the world. 20 years or more. To men, to women, who without the secret might go through life as failures. I said I would. And with Mr. Carnegie's cooperation, I have kept my promise. This book contains the secret. After having been put to practical test by thousands of people in almost every walk of life, it was Mr. Carnegie's idea that the magic formula which gave him a stupendous fortune ought to be placed within reach of people who do not have time to investigate how men make money. The secret to which I refer has been mentioned no fewer than a hundred times throughout this book. It has not been directly named, for it seems to work more successfully when it is merely uncovered and left in sight, where those who are ready and searching for it may pick it up. That is why Mr. Carnegie tossed it to me so quietly without giving me its specific name. If you are ready to put it to use, you will recognize this secret at least once in every chapter. I wish I might feel privileged to tell you how you will know if you are ready, but that would deprive you of much of the benefit you will receive when you make the discovery in your own way. Oh, that's, that's stunning. <laughs> what a beautiful way to introduce an idea, the lure of this idea to say, yeah, look, it works. It'll transform your life, but don't let me force it on you. Don't even let me name it. You're going to have to draw it out of me. You're going to have to come ready. You're going to have to come open. And if you're not, you will miss it. You will miss the thing that has literally transformed hundreds, if not thousands of ordinary people into successful wealthy individuals who have done the thing that they wanted to do with their life 
Uh, so, um, without naming it, because I don't have a name for his idea, the, the central theme of, of much of the work is a simple idea around um, uh, the power of ideas and flowing from the title Think and Grow Rich. Um, you know, Napoleon Hill says, look, more, more gold has been mined from the thoughts of men than has ever been mined from the earth. The secret to being wealthy and successful, it does start with an idea. It starts with something that you think needs to happen, a solution to a problem that you have come up with. It is an idea that's been birthed in your mind and evidence of the uniqueness of you, that the way you've seen something is different than how anyone else has seen it and the, the way you would like to do something is different than how anyone else has done it before. It's off the power of those ideas that men and women grow rich. Uh, all achievement, all earned riches have their beginning in an idea. Now, that seems overly simplistic and it, you could easily dismiss it as overly simplistic. Um, and yet within that structure is an extraordinarily powerful idea that is um, referenced and reverberated and strengthened by a whole bunch of authors since Napoleon Hill has, has put this out. Uh, in fact, one of my favorite versions of this is The Miracle Equation uh, by Hal Elrod. Uh, his two, the two components, which I've mentioned before, are unwavering faith and extraordinary action. And so it's, it's off the back of the idea that you have that doesn't just remain an idea. You become inexorable about it. You become focused that it must actually happen. And then you do whatever it takes to ensure that it does happen. Now, more than just thinking, the only thing separating you from your goals is hard work because that is by far an oversimplification of this idea. It is to be very clear about what it is that you want, to have forged an idea amongst a whole bunch of other ideas and have selected the one that you think is your best idea and then to be certain that not only is it a good idea, uh, but is, it is an idea that must happen. And then to actually see that idea happening in your own mind and to never lose sight of that reality that you've created. And then to go and take the obvious action to, to act in accordance with what you already know and have seen is true. That to me is a summary of the power of success. I got to go watch the movie Air <clears throat> on the weekend, uh, which is the story of Nike signing Michael Jordan uh, without spoiling it. If you haven't seen that movie, it's it's a beautiful movie, but it, it is basically the um, embodiment of this idea uh, in two really beautiful ways. There's, there's a key salesperson at Nike who was given the role of signing uh, basketball players, elite basketball players in the NBA to represent Nike uh, in the attempt that if if they can get their shoes on key players and key players do well and young people love key players, then they'll want to wear the same shoes these players are. And so the budget they had was $250,000 and they were instructed to spread it amongst three top NBA players, whoever they could sign in a competitive market where Nike was at the bottom Adidas and Converse were much more prominent and notable shoes in that era. 
And so this salesperson went, I, I don't like that idea. My idea is that we put all our budget into one player and that one player has to be Michael Jordan. Um, now, Michael didn't want to come across. Um, no one else thought Michael Jordan was going to be the once in a generational player that he was uh, in amongst the Nike crew anyway. And so, but this this guy, this talent scout, this salesperson had seen seen it and could understand what would happen if they got their shoes on him. So it's the story of him bringing that idea to the to the world. And it's an impossible idea. It's an impractical idea. It's an idea that no one else sees, but he sees it, and and he has unwavering faith around this idea, and then takes extraordinary action to bring it to bear. And so. Um, long story short, and we know the end of the story, obviously, because Nike Air Jordan's uh, one of the most popular shoes in the world still. He gets his man. He, he gets Jordan. Um, but then the uh, the other part of this beautiful idea was um, after signing him and his mother, Jordan's mother, was in charge of managing his um, affiliations. And so she was the one making the ultimate decision. And she pushed back to Nike and said, look, you can have him, he'll, he'll come across to Nike and wear your shoes um, on one condition. Yes, we'll take your money that, that you've offered, but we'll also need a cut from every Air Jordan shoe sold from now for the rest of time. And that had never been done before. That was, that was not a possible idea. That would disrupt the industry. No one had ever received that kind of uh, partnership arrangement um, but that was their that was their conditions, and that was her idea. Her idea, backed off the back of knowing who her son was, knowing that um, when he put these shoes on, uh, it, it would change the world. And so that idea would make both Nike and the Jordan family rich. And so um, again, you probably know the end of the story. They they agreed, and. Uh, in the last year uh, alone, Michael Jordan made $400 million in this year. That's you know almost well, over 20 years since he played his last game of basketball. He's still making extraordinary amounts of money from that big idea. So uh, the, the reason that I wanted to talk to you about this is because there's an idea inside each of you. Wherever you're listening here, whatever's going on in your world, you, you have an idea. You have lots of ideas, by the way, and, and most of them are ridiculous and, and most of them aren't your big idea, but there's a big idea inside you that that is the thing that ultimately causes your life to pivot. It's the thing that orients your whole um, success. Your chance for success is off the back of one good idea. <laughs> and that might sound like it's a very pressurized thing because well how do you know you've got that one idea and where does where does that one idea come from um, but i think it, there's a way of thinking about it quite logically that it will help you bring that idea to bear in the world so the reason that i wanted to address this issue is a because developing a compelling vision is a central component of eradicating insecurity no one has ever become unhindered unless they've had a very big reason why and the big reason why is off the back of the dream that they've got for their life they realize they will never achieve that dream if they are limited by doubt fear and self-limiting beliefs if they don't find a way to eradicate um, this internal hindrance uh, so that's firstly but but secondly to to speak to the dreamers out there to speak to those of you who have always thought that your life was meant for something. Perhaps you're discouraged, perhaps that you've 
tried a whole bunch of ideas. Perhaps you've got excited at different times in your life around things that you thought would make you money, things that you thought would advance your cause, things that you thought would set up your family for the lifestyle that you dreamed of. And, and yet you've found yourself back settling and surviving again and you're in a position that you don't want to be and you're back lulled into this idea that that's not how the world works and perhaps it's only special people who get what they want and it's it's far easier and safer to stop dreaming and to just be more practical. Um, that's a tragedy. That is an absolute tragedy because to desire is human. So if you shut that down, you dehumanize yourself and, and you can dehumanize yourself to the point of being completely... Um, Dehuman. You can separate yourself from yourself to the point of no return if you continue to shut this down and and ignore the deepest, most honest part of you around what it is that you really want. Uh, so my intention is to draw that out in you again, is to give you a, a structure and a framework to think about the ideas that you have and and particularly your your big idea, your your most important idea because i i think we all we all have a big idea we all have something that is really tied to the the center of our essence our identity our most natural contribution the thing that for whatever reason aligns with all the streams that have flown into one river to become us on the earth in this time with all our experience all our knowledge all our personality um, all our inclinations but the best version of that and that that is actually not just important for us, it's important for the world. For each of us to bring our thing to the world um, is, uh, makes, you know, it, it increases the collective consciousness of the planet. So to put my money where my mouth is, let me tell you about my big idea. My one idea that takes precedent over every other idea, the best idea I've ever had. You might think that it's the seven essential practices for overcoming insecurity. Um, that is a brilliant idea. That is an idea that has brought me a great amount of success and, and brought great a great gift to the world. But that's that's only part of the idea. The real idea, the, the biggest idea that I've got, the ultimate contribution, is the idea that it must be possible for human beings to work with themselves rather than against themselves. It must be possible for human beings to be unhindered, to not have to succeed by fighting against some kind of resistance but to have actively understood and resolved the resistance and so there is peace that they are together with themselves and they can operate from a place of great rapport so the big idea is that if humans can work out how to make peace with themselves they will come into the world with nothing to prove and nothing to defend and that will be good for them and good for others. My biggest idea, my best idea, is around midlife motivation. How to upgrade from self-discipline, which is energy against yourself, all based on a misunderstanding that there is some great problem with you, to self-permission, which is having dealt with all the dangerous things inside your own relationship with yourself, the things that are massive safety issues, the things that leave you precariously placed, the things that make your big goals and dreams very unsafe, to have resolved those ideas, to have rebuilt the relationship with yourself, to have ended the betrayal, to have apologized and made amends, to have cleaned the space within yourself and to be whole, to show up knowing who you are, being able to trust your nature 
and therefore actually be you, be the real you. That's my idea. My idea is to write a best-selling book around that idea. My idea is to be paid to travel around the world, to teach people, to train people, to equip people who are exhausted by this battle against themselves, who are in jeopardy of dropping out of their race with their big idea because they haven't found a way to bring it to the light of day and they have been convinced that they must fight against themselves to get that to get that idea out. My big idea is to speak to those people and to show them a better way. My idea is to be one of the best life coaches in the world and the only life coach focused entirely on self-permission through eradicating insecurity to be the person that speaks on that subject so powerfully and so clearly that it provides a roadmap that hasn't existed before. Now that's an idea that I've had for a long time but what I've come to see is until I go all in on that idea then that is an idea that can never work. Because that is a zigging, a zagging idea. That is a counterintuitive and countercultural idea. That is an idea that others don't have and don't see. And so, the secret of thinking and growing rich, the secret of the miracle equation, is to be wholehearted about that. To not only believe that that idea is worth investing my life in, but to actually sell everything, go all in, be completely sold out that that idea is brilliant and it must get every ounce of my energy and more than that to have already seen what happens when I do that to to go into the unseen world and to create the end of the experience to have seen people around the world transformed by this idea already that is the thing that has transformed my life more than anything else to to have gone in all, gone all, all in on that idea and because I've gone all in on that idea you are the beneficiaries of it and and more and more people and more and more places in every day now um, I got an opportunity to pitch this idea to um, Canberra TEDx a couple of weeks ago and because of how uh, clearly I see it and how wholeheartedly I'm about the fact that this is my best idea and <laughs> it, it has all, I can already see what happens. I, I, I've seen the end of how this works. And so it's so clear in my mind that this is such a beautiful idea. Um, I get confused when others don't see it. So anyway, I pitched this idea to TEDx. Um, and all that I could imagine happening was that they would go, yeah, this is a, a wonderful idea. Great, come pitch it. And then to pitch it at the idea, I imagine that they'll love the idea even more after hearing it for three minutes. And then I'll get an opportunity to present the full version of it. But anyway, a couple of nights ago, um, I opened my emails and got a, an email from TEDx. And I thought, oh, you beauty, they've confirmed my place. And a short email read, uh, dear Jamin, we have reviewed your application. And unfortunately, you are not successful. Um, we'll not be presenting at this TEDx open mic night. Um, and it, it almost knocked me off my chair. Like that, I, It was just, that is so incongruent with the reality that I see. I don't know what to do with what I'm just reading. How has that happened? Is this person a real person? Is this a trick? Is this a hoax? How in the world? And it just completely knocked me off my axis for about half an hour. <laughs> uh, so half an hour later, having been accustomed to not many people, if anyone, actually seeing my vision before, 
then the reframe for me is, okay, well, that doesn't change anything really because just because this person doesn't understand my my idea does not mean my idea is no good and does not mean I can still I still can't have what I want. Of course I'll have it. It just won't be this vehicle. It won't be this way. They'll miss out on being the people that bring this idea to light. It'll be some other place in some other way. So, okay, that's sad for TEDx Canberra. Um, then when I woke up in the morning, I opened uh, an almost identical email from TEDx Canberra that said, uh, Dear Jamin, we have reviewed your application and congratulations, you have been successful and we will welcome you at our pitch night on Thursday. <laughs> like, okay, what what just happened there? What, how did how did that work? So of course I responded to the email where they said I could I could pitch and just ignored the one that they said I couldn't and they immediately came back and said, Great, we'll see you there. Um <laughs> and this this is the reason I'm telling you this is because um this idea that the real secret is this wholeheartedness and that I don't think that's delusion I don't think it's arrogance it's just that everything is created twice there's a first creation in the unseen world either by design or by default and the second creation is just the manifestation of what you have already created I get asked I got asked this week around manifestation do I spend a lot of time and energy on manifesting what I want into my life do I really focus on manifestation mantras and rituals and my response was, no, I don't focus any specific attention on manifestation because everything is a manifestation. Every single thing is created twice. There's nothing outside of that law. That is Stephen Covey's great contribution to the personal development space. If you haven't read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, uh, I just save you some time. Uh, no, there's a, lot, there's a lot of brilliant stuff in that book, but the, the most brilliant, in my opinion, is this idea, everything is created twice. And so... Your, your results you're experiencing now are already a manifestation of what you have designed for yourself, the things you have thought, the ideas you've given energy to, the things that you think are real, what you have seen about your life. So, so often people are experiencing the results they don't want because they've seen those results in their fears, in their anxieties, in their worries. They have meditated on what they don't want. They have invested energy into envisaging the future that is the opposite of the one that they want. And then lo and behold, that's the future that they experience. And they're, they're devastated and feel life is unfair when in fact they're just experiencing um, the exact assembly line process that outlines how anyone gets anything. So now the title of today's podcast is Silly Ideas Only. Because although my idea now around upgrading from self-discipline to self-permission is the idea that I have already devoted my life to and will get the rest of the devotion of my life and is my best idea and, and will create extraordinary success for me and will bring great change to the world. And I know that as true as anything else that I've ever known that is true, that is real. Um, I don't need to see that. I don't need to see the results of that today to know that that's real i've got past that some time ago but i did not start there i promise you that is not how this idea started in my mind the first time i heard it it was a silly idea a ridiculous idea idea an impossible idea an idea very easily dismissed so when i have the privilege of coaching people and helping them you know dive into practice for develop a compelling vision for your life the game that I play is the silly ideas only game and I'm convinced it's the best way into this process if you're not well versed at this if there's a lot of resistance because 
if you hear someone like like me talk about the things that they're passionate about and the things that they can see it and if you're not clear about your big idea or you haven't brought your idea to earth yet or you don't know what your idea is or you maybe don't even think you've got an idea that can feel so out of your league or so impossible that it's overwhelming and perhaps intimidating so if i was to ask you what do you want grab a pen and paper open it down and start writing what you want there's this paralysis that happens between that pen actually touching the page and writing something because it's it's like what if i as soon as i say something i'm accountable and responsible for whatever i write i'm going to have to go do something and what if that's not my big idea what if that's a wrong idea what if that that was not the one that i should have done what if there was a better idea later or um, what if i devote my life to an idea that is actually stupid that i am delusional it would just be easier not to have an idea at all and let someone else create the ideas so the silly ideas only game this is how it works um, you open a blank page and a nice pen i i love incorporating the silly ideas only with life-giving rituals so rather than doing it you know at 11 o'clock at night or you know half-assing it when you're not even really in a good mood it's to create a, a life-giving experience around this so pay attention to your state first combine silly ideas only with your favorite cafe or um, your favorite clothes or your favorite music or something you already enjoy have fun with this go take yourself on a date treat yourself to an experience so you're already in a great state and then in the context of being in a great state open a nice notebook like treat treat this like it is a special exercise a nice notebook with a nice pen and so just the act itself of a blank page and a nice pen is therapeutic is energizing is life-giving in itself when you haven't even written anything that your imagination and create creativity start flowing because of the state you're in uh, then the rules of the game is right right what do you want on one page draw a circle around it and then um you are free to write whatever and the rules of this game is no accountability and no responsibility you you are not compelled to reveal anything to anyone that you've written on this page in fact you do not even have to check it yourself you can burn this page after you've written it it never has to be revealed to another person and you are not held accountable for what you write so silly ideas only right so then how can you get it wrong you might write something down and the internal dialogue is oh man that's stupid and your response is yeah of course it is it's silly ideas only so pump the brakes and <laughs> get out of my way like i'm just swinging away here. i don't have to do anything so you know you're right i, I want to drive an aston martin and drink martinis like james bond and it's on the page because you watched 007 last night and now it's in your psyche do you actually want it i don't know who cares you can't get it wrong you can't even get it right it's just swinging away it's it's having fun with this exercise so here's here's the real kicker on the silly ideas only game the first time you record your silly ideas you cannot tell the difference between a silly idea and an honest idea there is no way of knowing the differentiation and and speaking from experience all my best ideas have started out as my most silliest ideas all of them none of them none of the things that i am most proud of and most enjoy about my life now started out as well-formed ideas that were logical and practical and easily achieved they were all impossible they were all different they were all impractical none of them had like it they were just out of my league 
Um, but if they didn't start as silly ideas, then they would never have become real ideas. If I didn't give myself the, the ability to play this game, they would never have come out. So I find it is the best way. Perhaps it's the only way into this, especially if you're stuck, especially if you're already paralyzed around the fear of getting it right and accountability and responsibility. So if you play this game, and you've got to play it a few times, to be honest, that's how it really starts working because it's only when you start noticing patterns that you, that you start paying attention to the things on your list. It's just even though you're not going backwards through your book unless you really want to, you're just noticing, hang on a minute, I think I've written this before. Yeah, I, I know I've written this before. This thing keeps coming up. And then you've got a problem because, well, well maybe this isn't as silly as I thought. Maybe I actually do want it. I, I love running the, the diagnostic on these ideas to test whether I do want them to go, um, if this is an idea that would be easier not to want, then that's actually a good idea that I probably do want it. So... If it's an idea that I realize is actually going to cost me something, even though it would be extraordinary to achieve and add a whole bunch of value, it'll be a difficult idea to pitch. It will be a difficult idea to afford. It will require all kinds of change and growth. It, it will be hard to explain to other people. So, yeah, it would be far more convenient if I didn't want this thing, but it turns out that I do. So i got to tell the truth. I, I To betray myself and pretend that I don't want that just feels so ugly and unkind that I can't do it and so that idea is now out there now still you haven't done anything with it there's no you haven't formed any any well-formed ideas or taken any steps but this is the birthplace this is where it goes uh, and, and once you start sifting through these ideas because your big idea doesn't come as your first idea I promise you this idea of upgrading from self-discipline to self-permission that is not the first iteration of the insecurity project work by a long stretch this will be the sixth book that i've written and and it will be the bestseller it will be the one that that makes my mark um it may also then cause the others to grow as well but it, it's the one it's it's the culmination it's the best of the best of the ideas by far it's been referenced in the other work but this on as a standalone idea is my best and so for you to get your best idea uh, will require you to whittle, whittle away the ideas that perhaps you thought were great but actually aren't the one and and that's a difficult process that requires skin in the game that requires you to go action some things the learning is in the doing you you find out the merit of ideas by putting them into place by workshopping them by actioning them by running hypotheses on them by um, living as though they are true and seeing what they achieve in the world and seeing how they are refined as you live as though they are true. One of the sections of this book that I'm writing, Midlife Motivation, Upgrading from Self-Discipline to Self-Permission, um, is the deconstruct. And in order to create a new map for people, it is really important to deconstruct the first one because if the prevailing map says no resistance is real, you must fight against it, self-discipline is what heroes use so you'll need more of that so try harder and be better I, I have to get that one out of the way before I can build a new story so um, so there's a whole section in my book around why leading thinkers psychologists gurus coaches experts are wrong about midlife motivation which may seem a, a negative thing to do to attack other people's work but it's not at all 
it's just saying um, every now and then uh, our thinking improves every now and then best practice what has been best practice practice in the last season is superseded and so an idea comes along that says actually you're not a bad person but your idea is flawed your idea is out of date so um, the idea that I'm deconstructing at the moment is, is Stephen Pressfield, the, the War of Art. So uh, he goes to length to explain the fact that art is supposed to be hard. Art is supposed to be a war. You are well placed the moment you realize that there is an active saboteur inside you. Then, And if you can name that as a resistance um, and think about that as an enemy who's outside of you and inside you nefariously trying to ruin your life and distract your work and that that's a central part of all artists journey so you don't need to complain about that or think that's surprising you just need to do your work and fight the enemy whether you feel like it or not and the better you get at fighting the enemy and knowing that fear is central to this and you've chosen the life of an artist that's a life of suffering that's a life of discouragement. That's a life of internal wrestle. So it's a it's a big battle that you've chosen, and good luck with it. Um, but fight hard and fight long. So his you know his first best selling book was The War of Art. Then he's written Do the Work, and then his most recent one is Put Your Ass in the Seat Where Your Heart Wants to Be. So to actually go, Stephen, you've got it wrong you have misunderstood the resistance he says like he's still he's been writing for years and he says he still gets up in the morning opens his laptop to write and he still fears the outcome there is a deep sense of dread in the pit of his stomach the resistance to his work is still palpable and real every day and he says i'm a successful author and if it happens to me well then it's going to happen to you so i say Stephen, i i get up like i i'm i'm up at five o'clock every morning into this book at the moment that I'm writing and there is no resistance there's no fear why would there be fear I have permission to write the book it's a beautiful book it's a it's a great contribution it's my best idea and I actually have permission from myself to bring my idea into the world and so it's all systems go there's no war there's no war at all I promise you there's no war so Stephen's got it wrong David Gongwitz has got it wrong. Jocko Willink has got it wrong. I even think Carl Jung has got it wrong. His work on the shadow. Uh, I think it's a misunderstanding. And I don't say that lightly because we stand on the shoulders of Jung and Freud and some of the leading thinkers, but they come up with those ideas uh, an awful long time ago. And I'm convinced there is a more accurate way of understanding who we really are and the dilemma we have between what we do and what we want to do. And I don't think we have a shadow. I don't think that our nature is inherently bad. I think that's a misunderstanding. And it's important for me to describe why that's wrong in order to help people understand how to fully gain permission and to trust yourself unequivocally to be who you want to be in the world, to create such internal safety that permission is granted. So my challenge and my encouragement to each of you today is to think about yourself in terms of one big idea to think about your success to think about your future to think about the future of your family to think about your legacy to think about your contribution to think about the fulfilling fulfilling and meaningful life that you desire off the back of one big idea what is your idea and are you willing to bring it 
to the light of day? Are you willing to get it wrong and wrong and wrong? Are you willing to refine it? Are you willing to be ridiculed? Are you willing to be discouraged? Are you willing to fail in the pursuit of refining this idea until you've got it in a way that you see it so clearly that you believe it and in believing it, then it becomes your reality. It becomes the thing that you devote your life to. Now, just to wrap up, the last book that I wrote, Leverage, How to Change the People You Love for All the Right Reasons and Get the Relationships You Deserve, uh, that is a really important idea as well. And part of this big idea around upgrading from discipline to permission, if your relationships are unsafe, if there is unresolved conflict, if you have to be someone who you don't want to be to maintain that relationship and therefore your creativity, there is no expression for it because you are suppressed, you you are shut down, you have agreed to be a certain person, to play a certain role for the in the interest of peace in the context of your relationship, but you are not happy. Well, good luck ever bringing your idea to the light of day. So I put out a quote from my book on the socials this week, and I think it is a really, really important idea. And that is that no two people are are ever ready for change at the same time. That is not how it works. And so if you are waiting for your partner to be ready to have the conversation about the dream that you've always had for your life. If you're ready for your if you're waiting for your partner to be ready to have the conversation about the thing that annoys you most, assuming that they're naturally going to come to the same conclusion as you and want the same thing as you at the same time as you. You're going to be waiting for the rest of your life. It never ever happens like that. One person has to go first. One person gets to the end of their ability to live in a difficult situation and then reluctantly and it always is reluctantly no one enjoys being the person that incites conflict being the person that says we got to have a conversation this isn't going to be fun but i can't go another day without this so that person comes reluctantly and says we, we have to talk now when it is when, when you get to that point of we got to talk you got to know what to do, right? You've got to understand the framework because if you're going to go into battle and you've got no idea what you're going to talk about or how this talk's going to go well, it's going to go badly. It, that's the only thing that can happen. And then you're going to give up on yourself. You're going to give up on your dream. You'll give up on the relationship and you'll either go back to settling how you were or you'll drop out altogether and it will be a residual loss on your balance sheet. So change is inevitable and, and change requires conflict. And conflict is a beautiful part of healthy relationships and a beautiful part of fighting for what is inside you, the value and worth, until you are willing to actually fight for what you believe. Well, you'll never bring this idea to bear on the earth. So this book, Leverage, How to Change the People You Love, outlines the five key stages you're going to have to go through in order to have those conflict situations lead to change. And and that's that's a beautiful gift to give not only yourself but your partner so if you haven't got a copy of that you can get it on audible or you can get it on my website you can get it on amazon but that could be a really important piece in the puzzle if you're really struggling to bring your idea to formulate your idea or you're in an environment where if that idea was to come to light today it would be turned out tomorrow there is no room for your idea in your current relationship space right now and that's the big problem that's the first thing you're going to have to clear up before 
you even play the silly ideas game. Look, I hope that's useful. And I really enjoy these conversations. Always appreciate your feedback, letting me know what has made the difference for you. So I'll speak to you again soon.